So last week I suggested to you that this wouldn't be a bad little summary of the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy says, there's the land, go and take it, and here's the law, go and keep it. So two major, major recurring, recurring themes in the book of Deuteronomy, the land and the law. Take the land, keep the law. Today I'm introducing a third very off-recurring theme in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's about love. So we have land, law, and love. Land, law, and love. Today we're coming to love the great thing. And we might put it this way, there's your God, make sure you love him. Or there's your God, make sure he has your heart. So this sermon and the text we're looking at in Deuteronomy and other supporting passages are about you and your heart and love and God, which is really what life on the planet is all about. What's life on the planet about? It's about you and God, and he loves you, and you are to be loving him. So this sermon is about you and God and your heart. Now, there are so many passages in the book of Deuteronomy, but I don't want to do what I did to you last week, again this week, two weeks in a row, that would really be trying your patience. There were so many references per square inch of sermon last week. But I want you to see, just want you to get a snapshot vision of how many passages in the book of Deuteronomy talk about our theme today, loving God with all your heart. So next slide, please, we'll just show you all these passages, and there they are. Just from my own reading, I thought those are the ones. I put them down every time as I read through the book. All of those, I was tempted to preach to you every one of those today, but not two weeks in a row, all right? Won't do that again. But we're going to pick a few of those, and the first one will be our first one, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29. The, the time, the context, envisions Israel about to enter the land, but Moses is speaking to them about a time in their future a time in which they may have been unfaithful to God. They might have gone out after idols and become idolatrous people. And because of that, the, the Scriptures tell them God will chasten them when, when they do that. God will send conquering enemy armies to take them away into their foreign land. And so it envisions them. Here they are in that foreign land chastened for their idolatrous unfaithfulness. And what happens there? Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if, if you search after him with all your heart. There's your heart. This is about you and God and your heart. If you search after him with all your heart. How much of your heart? Half-heartedly? No. All of your heart and with all of your soul. Don't try and make fine distinctions between heart, soul, mind, spirit, and then build weird theologies of sanctification based upon those. They're all about the same. It's saying with your inner man. It's with everything that's inside of you. Search after him with all your heart. So, Here's where we're starting to find out about our hearts and God, our love for God. That's what you do with a heart. You love. And we're finding, here about, we're finding out here about what's important on the planet. What is life all about? What are we doing here? You are here that you might seek after, search after God to love him with all your heart. That's life. Sometimes people say, well, I'm trying to find myself. Don't. 
That's where you are. You're on a planet. You're a creature made in the image of God, and you're here to find him and love him and know him and call upon him. That's life. That's real life. So we're to look at creation, the cosmological argument. We're to look at creation, the teleological argument. We're to look at morals, the moral argument. Whatever you look at, they lead you to the Bible. They lead you to God where you seek him with all of your heart. This is what we learn in Deuteronomy 4.29. Interesting, isn't it? I want you to notice this. So a book that is about laws and statutes and commandments and ordinances and obedience is also equally often about your heart and loving God. And there's no contradiction between those. The one is the root and the other one is the fruit. Your love for God is the root and your obedience to his commandments by grace evangelically, is the fruit. There's no contest between those. And this is what human life is about. It's interesting how Paul words this same idea in Acts chapter 17. He's in the great city of Athens. Um, some people heard him and said, we got to take you up to where all the philosophers are. They got to hear what you're saying. So they took him up to this place called the Areopagus, this place up on Mars Hill, and they wanted to hear what, what strange teachings this rabbi had to say, talking about somebody named Jesus. And here's part of Paul's sermon to them, his discourse to them, Acts 17, starting in verse 25. He, he's talking about God, and he says, He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Now a purpose. That, why did he do all of that? That they should seek God. And then I love the way Paul puts this. It's uncharacteristically like non-Pauline. He doesn't talk this way elsewhere. That they should seek God. God, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. I don't know why I love that. It tickles me. You just picture them there with blinded eyes, but they're feeling, they're groping. Find, where's God? I need to find God. I want God. And yet, it, yet he is actually not far from each one of us for, and then he quotes one of their own prophets, in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, and another quote, for we are indeed his offspring. So Paul to the Athenian philosophers on Mars Hill is saying there's a God. You're here to seek him. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what this is about. Reach out there and find him. Seek him. Come to know him. He's not far from you. He's giving you your life. He's giving you your breath. He's right there. That's what we're here for. That's what you're here for. If you are a stranger to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, God has in his providence, God has brought you to this assembly today that you might hear these things and have your heart directed to the true and the living God. Oh, may it be. May it be. All right, so we're leaving Deuteronomy 4, and we attach Acts 17 to it. Now we're going to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The great Shema, the Hebrew word hear, Hear, O Israel, the great Shema. And I remember the fact that we started this series in Deuteronomy 6, so I'm not going to spend a long time here right now. But 
we would be remiss if we didn't read this as one of the love God with all your heart passages. This is the one Jesus Christ quoted from when he said, that's the greatest commandment. So here's where we got that, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we are monotheists. We are not polytheists. We have one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he's one God. Well, what's my relationship to this one God that we have supposed to be? Verse 5, you shall love him. I love that the most important commandment on the planet is love. The most important thing you could do. It's not some picky little list like go clean your bedroom. Pick up the trash or your socks. No, it's, it's love. There's one God. There he is. Now, what do I do about that? You shall love him. You shall love the Lord your God. Well, just a little bit, half-hearted love. Will that do? Does he accept that? No. It's got to be with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And here's a fruit of that. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You love him, you love his words. Got him in your heart, you got his words on your heart. But notice here, this is the great Shema. This is the greatest commandment on the planet. What am I supposed to do down here? Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's at the center and the core and the heart of it all. You are here to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. Now, I want you to understand, every one of these passages about loving God is an Old Testament salvation passage. He's preaching the gospel because nobody loves God without being saved. Nobody loves God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength without being a regenerate, blood-bought child of the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they didn't know that name yet in this time. So, so we're, we're looking at salvation described in Old Testament, Old Covenant terminology. He's really pleading with a full Christian life. It starts with your heart for God, and then the fruit of that, it flows out into obedience to his commands, doing the things that please him, and so on. Everyone who is saved does this. You love God. Let's do a little thought experiment for a moment, or let's read C.S. Lewis's book, The Great the great divorce or divide? Divorce, isn't it? Take a bus, road, a bus ride into hell. But on our bus ride into hell, we're going to interview people. We're going to interview everybody in hell, every single person in hell. We're going to ask them one question. It's a simple question, yes or no answer. Do you love God? What do they all say? No. Probably the longer they've been there, the more things they've imagined about how terrible he really is. Not one of them, a thousand years into hell, not one of them says, well, you know what? In the greater light of this day, I've decided I love him. No, that, that doesn't happen. Now let's ride up to heaven. Let's ask everybody in heaven, do you love God? What do they all say? Yes, I absolutely love God. God is the great thing about heaven. Not, now I can play golf with my buddies forever. God is the great thing about it. The Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, is what excites the saints in heaven. I get to see my Savior, the one who died for me on Calvary's cross. We love the Lamb. 
And down here, we love him, and we, we want to walk with him and do the things that are pleasing to him. So these are salvation texts. We'll see it again. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Just drop over there. 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What's my life about? What am I supposed to do? What's going on down here on the planet? Here's what it is. What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, you're dead serious about him. To walk in all his ways, you're going to need a lot of grace and a new heart to do that. To love him, that's at the core of it all. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. That's all. <laughs> that's all the Lord requires of you. Did you see all those verbs? Fear God, walk in his ways, love him, serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Keep his commandments, keep his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Here I am, a human. Here I am on the earth. I'm self-conscious. I know I exist. What, what's this all about? What's it for? There it is. There's what life is. There's what life is for. And that's salvation and its fruits. I would argue that certainly the, the love him part, that's salvation. Nobody, nobody loves God, the true God, unless they have a renewed heart. And all those other things are fruits, walking in his way, serving him, keeping his commandments. This is salvation and its fruit. It's about loving God. Another verse in chapter 10, very interesting, Deuteronomy 10, 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. These Israeli people, they had been stubborn already. They were stubborn. God said, there's the land, go and take it. And they said, no, we don't think so. We want to send in some spies. They sent in spies. The spies brought back a good report. It's a beautiful land. Let's go and take it. And they said, I don't think so. God says, you stiff-necked, you stubborn people. And now he addresses that problem of their heart, their hard heart, their stubborn heart. And he says, here's what you really need. You need heart work. You need heart surgery. You need to circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Now, they're Israelites. They already knew about the circumcision thing. Every, every son was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day, according to the law of Moses. They knew about that. They practiced that. But now God throws them a curveball. Now God's got a little surprise for them. Guess what? It's really about your heart. Like, you can't take care of that little bit of flesh. It's like, job done. I'm good with God now. No, no. It's your heart he's really interested in. And you've got to have a heart that has turned away from, that has cut off the worldly things and the evil things and the ungodly things and the false philosophies and all the rest. And you need to circumcise your heart and hand that heart up to God. That's salvation a circumcised heart. Paul picks this up in his epistle to the Colossians in chapter 2. I'll read starting in verse 11. He's speaking to believers. You're a believer? This is you. It's really good. It's you. Rejoice in it. In him, Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Whoa, what's that? That's one God performed on your heart. In Christ, you have that. 
by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. And then to signify that, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Bless the Lord. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, the circumcision of Christ. No wonder Paul says to the Philippians, we are the true circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and don't trust in any of the law or the works. Deuteronomy 13, next, adds another verb to our list of imperatives. Love God and do this. And do this. Here it is, Deuteronomy 13, 3. You shall not listen, uh, he's speaking about if a false prophet arises in Israel. You shall not listen to the words of that false prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him. And now he adds this. And hold fast to him. So, this is life. This is life on the planet. This is life on the planet then. This is life on the planet now. Here's what it's all about. Here's what's going on. Here's who you are. Here's where you are. Here's what's supposed to be going on. And you noted all the verbs. Walk after the Lord. Fear him. Keep his commandments. Obey his voice. Serve him. Hold fast to him. Moses pleads with the people like that again and again and again. Remember all those references I showed you? They all have stuff like this in them. This is Moses evangelizing Israel. This is Moses preaching to them. Remember, it's, this is three sermons, the, the book of Deuteronomy. This is Moses angling for their hearts, that their hearts might go to God. And he adds this, hold fast to him. Now, what, is, what does that mean? What does it mean to hold fast? Well, that's what theologians call the perseverance of the saints. It's Keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on following, keep on obeying till your last breath and die in the arms of Jesus. It's, it's keep on, hold fast, don't let go. In, in our days, there is an unusual number of people who are letting go. I've been saying this to you because very much on my heart, and I don't want you all to be in the number. There's... there's an acceleration of not holding fast right now in our day because there's so many powerful and deceitful worldly philosophies grabbing people, taking people in, turning them against God and the Bible and the gospel and his word. There's so many temptations that are so powerful and available. But we're to hold fast to God. We need to hear that in our day. Don't weaken over time. Become stronger over time. I have seen so many people, too many people, who weaken over time. Well, I used to believe that, but not so much anymore. I, I used to believe all, all the Bible and all, but I don't know about that part anymore. I'm not so sure about that part. I'll use the term again. They're deconstructing, right? The Bible's term is they're not holding fast. The theologian's term is they're not persevering. 
and hold fast to him. Do you hold fast to him? Do you love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? And by the grace of God, Father, I'm hanging on to you. Do you hold fast to him? This is a major theme in the New Testament. Let me just show you. This is not Old Covenant only. It's New Covenant. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. He, the Lord Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Bless God. That's amazing. Can it be a sinner like me? Yes, holy, blameless, above reproach before him. But there's an if. If indeed you continue in the faith stable, and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. See, that shifting was a problem in Paul's day. That not stable and not steadfast was a problem in Paul's day. That not continuing in the faith was a problem in Paul's day. It's been a problem in every day. It's a problem in our day, and it's especially a problem right now. But we're to continue in the faith. Hebrews addresses this again and again. Hebrews 4.14, let us hold fast our confession. Hebrews 6.18, hold fast to the hope set before us. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Are you getting the message? Part of what you're supposed to do on the earth is love the Lord your God and hold fast, cling to him. Don't let go. Don't be moved away. Shocking how many people I've seen move away. People who sit in a church like this one and hear God's word taught and preached for 20 years and then drift. And away they go. It's just shocking. Hold fast. John 15, I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. The entire chapter is about this. What does abide mean? It's the Greek word meno. What does meno mean? It means continue, stay there, remain, don't go away. That entire chapter is Jesus Christ speaking to you, speaking to his people saying, stay with me. Remain, abide. Let's look at a few verses. John 15, 6, if anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That burned is not good. You don't want that burned. Jesus says, if anybody doesn't abide in me, who's that? Those are like the people in 1 John. They went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But because they were not of us, they went out from us, that it might be manifest that they were not children of God. So, People who depart the faith give evidence to the fact that they were never regenerate. They were never born again. They were never bought by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they don't abide and they're thrown away. They make a profession and they're thrown away. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Love and commandments, just like in Deuteronomy, love me, love me, love me, keep my commandments, the root and the fruit. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abide. 1 John chapter 2 picks up this theme, verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. 
Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Abide, abide, abide. And that's what Deuteronomy 13.4 is saying when it says, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Stay there. So that when you're 17 and first believe that he's God and he's my God, and then if you live to be 97 and die, when you're 97, you're still saying he's God and he's my God, and this is his word, and I follow Jesus Christ, and I believe it all. You want to end stronger, way stronger than you began. So hold fast to him, persevere, keep on believing, keep on repenting, keep on following. Do not be taken captive by this world's philosophies or vain deceit. Hold fast. Somebody asked me after the service, we were over here talking after the earlier service, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I have more of the love of God? How do I do better at keeping his commandments as a fruit of my love for God? And I, I had a simple answer I don't know if he was entirely satisfied, but there's nothing magical about it. It's, it's you take advantage of the means of grace. What are they? Read your Bible. Pray. Fellowship with God's people. Gather for, for worship. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Confess your sins. Take communion. Get baptized. Watch baptisms, etc. Share your faith. That's probably not one of the means of grace exactly, but it ain't a bad idea. Stay away from even the trailheads of the paths that lead to destructive heresy or life. So chapter 13 adds another phrase to our little cluster that we've been kind of building, hold fast. What's life about on the planet? It's about you and loving God and keeping on loving God holding fast to him, never let go. But now we come to Deuteronomy, we're going to jump ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 30. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we certainly have the Old Testament's largest dose, largest single chapter with the most repeatedly, with the most repeated pleadings about you and your heart and God. Maybe more than any other passage in all of the Bible, any other chapter, maybe not more than 1 John if you take love God out of 1 John, all you have left is the chapter headings. Like the whole thing is love God, love God, love God, love God, love God, love God, keep his commandments, just like Deuteronomy. But Deuteronomy 30 is the big one. So let's, let's pick a few pieces out of it. Here we go. Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 1. And when all these things come upon you, he's looking into their future, the blessing and the curse. There was stuff about that in earlier chapters. When all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you return to the Lord your God and you and your children and obey his voice in all that I commanded you today with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy upon you. He's a merciful God. Who needs mercy? Sinners. Sinners is exactly, precisely, I'm sorry, mercy is exactly, precisely what sinners need. 
And it just happens that, aren't we blessed? God is full of mercy and long-suffering and patience. And if you go out in the far country and make a mess of things and the prodigal son comes home, the father is eager to go and meet you in his mercy. And so these people are kind of given their own prodigal son story. If you go messing and you're in the other nations because of it and God is chastening you because of it, but if you turn and seek him with all your heart, he'll have mercy on you. This will work for your children. If, if your children seek him with all their hearts, he'll have mercy upon your children. There's mercy for repentant, remembering, turning sinners. Thank God. That's in the book of Deuteronomy. Law, 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 mercy. There's mercy. Verse 6, and the Lord your God, note this, will circumcise your heart. Wait a minute. I thought earlier it told me to circumcise the flesh of my heart. It did. But here it says God will do it. Who does it? Yes. Both. What you need is God to circumcise your heart. He's the one who regenerates you and makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the heart of your offspring. If your children turn to him, he'll do that in their hearts as well. So that you will, here's the result of a circumcised heart. Here's the fruit. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. I should have counted how many times in the book of Deuteronomy it says, love him with all your heart and all your soul. It's just over and over and over again. Here's the land, go and take it. Here's the law, go and keep it. Here's God, love him, love him, love him with all, all, all your heart and soul, soul, soul. Deuteronomy in a nutshell. Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. And when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, there it is again, and then it goes on. I'm just going to skip down to verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping the commandments and his statutes and his rules... Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, then dot, dot, dot. But if your heart turns away, that's not abiding, John 15. That's not holding fast, Hebrews. That's turning away. That's apostasy. That's deconstructing. I think I'm going to leave Cornerstone Church. There are other reasons why somebody might leave Cornerstone Church. Not trying to put anybody who leaves Cornerstone Church in this bag, all right? But, but there have been some, there probably will be again some, who say, I think I'll saunter on over to the progressive church. There's some progressive church in the news this week. Maybe you ran into it. This showed up on my Twitter feed. There was a woke pastoress in Minnesota leading her congregation in reciting a creed. How many of you saw this one? It's, it's, it's not the Apostles' Creed. It's the Sparkle Creed. Here's how it starts. It's terrible, yes. Here's what she had them recite, repeating after her. I believe in the non-binary God. They all said, I believe in the non-binary. Whose pronouns are plural. Whose pronouns are plural. That's where messing around at the trailheads of unbelief takes you. 
That's where it all wants to end. You'll be reciting the Sprinkle Creed in the synagogue of Satan. But if your heart turns away, don't let your heart turn away. Hold fast. Keep yourselves in the grace of God. Take advantage, full advantage of the means of grace which God has ordained to establish the hearts of his people. Hold fast. One more passage, Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. What will that look like? Verse 20, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Let me read that part again. For he is your life. Yeah, I love the amens in the room. Can you say that? Can you say, he is my life? Oh, Lord, you are my life. Apart from you, I have nothing. You want to be there and stay there all the way down to your last breath and enter into heaven in the arms of Jesus. So let me show you, I've been talking about a cluster of verbs that are repeated in different configurations throughout all these references. And let me just give you the the verbs. Here they are on a slide. This is the last slide for today. So we've been told to fear God, walk in his ways, turn back to him, love him, obey his commandments, keep his ordinances, serve him, and hold fast to him. That is salvation and its fruits, Old Testament style and New Testament style. That's your life on the planet? Does your soul vibrate with those words? Do you say, yes, Lord, it's exactly what I want, and I want it more, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes that I don't offer it to you more, but that's me, Lord. You know my heart. I fear you. I want to walk with you. I want to turn back to you whenever I turn away. I want to love you, obey you, keep your commandments, serve you, and hold fast to Jesus Christ. Yeah, Your heart jiggles with that, doesn't it? Because God has given you a new heart that loves the things of God. Let us be a people who fear and hold fast. Bow with me, please, in prayer. Father, thank you for this time in your holy word. And we do pray that every person hearing this message would be called by the word and the spirit to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and find everlasting life. We pray that people in this room right now would call upon you, Lord Jesus. Would you draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, that they may come to the foot of the cross and believe on the Lord Jesus and be everlastingly saved. And Father, we pray for all such believers who are part of this church, well, and all believers everywhere. Give us grace, give us strength, that we might persevere, that we might hold fast to the gospel, to the Lord Jesus, to all the word of God, to the whole counsel of God. Father, make us such a people, a people for your possession, a people for your honor and glory and praise. For we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.